Demas was again mentioned there in Timothy, where Paul calls him a fellow laborer and that he had sent his greetings to the church. But here we see something has terribly went wrong with Demas. And we see that the Bible there are, we'll take our text from verse 10, where he says, Demas, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now I had to get that right because I inserted my most of my life this present evil world. You say, now why would you do that? Well, because of spending time in the Word of God. The Lord says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And he talks about the world, the world system, and the sins that are in the world as being evil, and that's why. But it's actually this present world. I want to spend a little time on that. And the question I want you to ask yourself today that goes along with the message is, am I a Demas? Am I a Demas? Or in 2022, will I become a Demas? Demas was a saved man. There for a while he was a companion of the Apostle Paul. What a privilege to actually live and work side by side with an apostle. Boy, I was really uh, talking with the Lord this week. I've spent uh, some time in the hospital uh, visiting uh, uh, people in the hospital and uh, I found out because mostly their pastors won't come and visit them. I, 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 and, and by the way, on my way out the other, the other day, I had one of the doctors get me. He's my next door neighbor. He says, can I talk with you for a second? It's on my mind. I got to get it off of there. It'll be rattling around in there. I said, yes, sir. And he says, can I put your name on a list for uh, when people are having trouble and tragedies, that you as a pastor in this community would come and pray for them. And I'm kind of looking at him. I said, yeah, he said, it's a growing problem. These folks as pastors will not come and visit them in the hospital. And I'm thinking, what a shame. What a shame. What a shame. And so... As I maybe it was went along with this message because I was thinking about Demas. At one time he was faithful. One time he was a solid uh, a Christian. But all of a sudden there was a day that come, and he forsook the apostle Paul. Let's let's read some scripture now. Let's again read down from verse one. I believe it to be fitting for today because it helps put us in context with this thing we call sound doctrine, and that there was coming a time when people would not endure it. And I believe the apostle Paul said all that for as a setup for part of the problem that happened with Demas. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, 
I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. That be Luke the physician who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And he says, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichius have I sent to Ephesus the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. When thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Paul was a name caller. I want you to know that. Paul called out evil workers. He called out people that would work against the work of God. Don't forget that. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you now for this time. Help us today uh, as we uh, preach the word of God. Lord, help me. Anoint my lips. Forgive me of all uncleanness and sin in my life. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Bless these folks today. Feed them from your word. Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Of course, we've been dealing with this topic, what is sound doctrine? And in the world that we live in, the world that we grew up in is not the world we're living in today. Something has changed. Something or somebody or a group of people have chosen not to endure sound doctrine. And they've turned this country upside down. Whereas right is wrong and wrong is right. They're calling evil good and good evil. And it's just going to get worse from here. If you was to back up to chapter 3 in this same book, he says, for perilous times shall come. That means vicious times. That word perilous is another word is vicious. Vicious times will come. We're living in those days but see it the church is not exempt from it and we've been spending this time about sound doctrine and what is it and we understand that sound doctrine is sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you or holding fast the form of sound words what I mean by that is I didn't say that people wouldn't believe something contrary, but they uh, will not be able to take the Bible and show you from Scripture where you're wrong and where they're right. It's going to be based off of how they feel in the moment or what they think culture is, is, is agreeing to in the moment. But it will not be sound. It will not be based on facts. The Word of God is true. It never contradicts. Sound doctrine is biblical teaching that not only promotes right living, but sets you on the path of right living to ever bring you closer 
to fulfilling God's command for your life. This is what God has told us. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. That's what God wants out of our lives. He wants us to be a holy people, a peculiar people. And any teaching that does not endorse, promote, or demand right holy living is false teaching. Sound doctrine is right living. And we've seen that. But here we get into this person called Demas. And if you read commentaries and what people have said about Demas, you'll have two schools of thought. One school of thought says, well, Demas was never really saved. And that's why he fell away, because he didn't persevere. And then the other school of thought is, well, uh, Demas really didn't fall into apostasy. Uh, Demas just went somewhere else. Uh, Demas went to Thessalonica, maybe, maybe on a missionary journey, which is false. He wasn't going on a missionary journey to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was one of the most wicked cities that you could go to. It would have been akin to Sodom and Gomorrah back in the day. And I find it amazing that when people decide and choose to forsake God and to forsake the assembling of the believers together, that they will often run, not walk, to the most wicked place that you can go. Remember the prodigal son? <laughs> I mean, as soon as he left the father, it was into that far country and where he wasted his living on riotous living. There's that word riot, riotous. And so he had a mindset. And then, of course, ended up in the hog pen. It never has a right outcome. We see other people like Lot. Uh, they, they drift towards apostasy. Lot, the Bible says, is he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He didn't stay at Bethel. Abraham chose to stay at Bethel. But Lot said, no, I like the well-watered plains of Jordan. I'm heading toward Sodom to make a little money. After all, money makes the world go around. But we find the end result of Lot in Sodom was he lost it all. Now, I believe that the Bible puts us in the correct context. And I believe that Demas was weighing heavy on the mind of the Apostle Paul as he penned this book to Timothy because I think he was worried that maybe Timothy, because he was a timid man, might choose to forsake also. And that should be always in the back of our minds. Be worried and looking out and, and we should ask ourselves, Am I going to be, end up like a Demas? There's been many men in my lifetime that had great potential, that were wonderful people, that are not even in the ministry today. Boy, that's terrible when you see that. But I believe that Demas was on the mind of Paul. That's why he brings it up. But in the context of this chapter on why Demas had forsaken him. Paul in prison. This is the last letter that Paul wrote. He did die a martyr's death. This was this last little bit that he would write while he was on this side of Jordan.
And in this life, there's this phrase here, this present world. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. That means the world that now is. But see, Paul was focused on the world that is to come. And we as believers in Christ, we should have our affections and our sights set on the world that is to come. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, set your affection on things above and not on things here below. You see, Paul was focused on the world that was to come and Christians today are going to fall into one of the two groups. You're either going to be focused on the world that now is or you will be in the group that is focused on the world that is to come. Now my prayer and my goal for you is that you remain heavenly minded. I understand that we got to work to make a living. We have bills to pay and that we have to interact with the world. I got it. I get it. And sometimes we are providentially hindered from coming to church because of work, because of family, maybe because of sicknesses, maybe because of something that just come up and we just have to go do it. I got it. Not talking about that. It's a whole different matter. When we're totally engrossed in the world that now is. And I want you to take a few moments as I begin to point out. I got three points if I remember right. Number one, what was Demas forsaking when he forsook the Apostle Paul, I believe it to be right here in our text. That word forsake means to depart from, to leave, to go. What did Demas forsake? Well, he's been talking about, if we was to look back in verse 3, sound doctrine. When you choose to forsake the assembling of yourselves together say, I ain't doing church no more. I do not think church is important. I don't think it's a very important thing and there's more to my life and I want to be involved in anything else in the present. You're choosing to forsake sound doctrine, the Bible, the Bible way. You choose to Forsake the work of an evangelist. There in verse 5, the apostle Paul said that he had done the work of the evangelist and he was commanding Timothy to maintain to do the work of an evangelist. And an evangelist, the word angel is in evangelist, and it means you're a messenger of God and you're to go and to give and to spread and to tell the good news. The work of an evangelist. I did some of that work this week. The work of an evangelist. And so when you decide to forsake, like Demas, Demas forsook sound doctrine. Demas forsook the work of the evangelist. Demas decided to forsake the Christian fight. Verse 7, he says, I have fought a good fight. This Christian life that you and I live in is a battle, not a physical battle. It is a spiritual battle. You ever have one of those days, one of those weeks where you knew it, you just couldn't put your finger on it, but something was actively working against you? Yeah, that's a devil. 
That's the spiritual realm. That's demons and devils and Satan. That Satan is our adversary. And if you're God's children... In the spiritual realm, you show up as a children of light. You have a big target painted right on you because you're a light. You're not of the darkness. You're not a child of darkness. And you're an easy target. And so the forces of hell begin to work against you because you're a child of God. And sometimes, I, got, I hate to tell this to you and break it to you, but the Christian life is not always easy. It's a battle. And he had told us here in chapter 2 to be able to endure the hardness of the Christian life as good soldiers. I'd love to be able to tell you that these last 10 years have been awesome and always rosy and peachy, but I would be lying this morning. It's been a hard journey, but it's been a journey that's been worth it. It's been the Christian fight, and that's what we must do. And when we forsake God, and we forsake the house of God, and forsake the man of God, we're going to forsake the Christian fight. Demas got tired. Demas did was done fighting the Christian fight. But then, Demas never finished his Christian course. Paul said in verse 7 that he had finished the course that God had laid before him. I'm telling you folks, you got a lot of people don't stick around long enough to find out what God's life mission is for them. I have a course. God has called me to be a senior pastor. That's my course. And He expects me to stay and to remain faithful and to feed the sheep. I believe a lot of pastors should take that under advisement and do the job in the work of an evangelist. But Demas, when you forsake God in the house of God, in the man of God, this is what you're forsaking. But verse 7 in our text, Paul said that he had kept the faith. Did you see that? You're forsaking the faith. You're denying Christ that bought you. I call that backsliding of a serious nature. I had in my life thought at one time that maybe Demas really wasn't born again. Maybe he was a stillbirth. And when I'm talking about into the faith. But then that would not leave any room for people that do go astray. There are Christians that are 100% saved that choose to forsake the Christian life. They're still saved, but they're not going to keep the faith. Maybe persecution. Sometimes families will turn against you if you have a family that's of another uh, religious or a uh, religious persuasion and then you get born again and when you begin to tell that they want to kick you out you come under severe family persecution and so that could cause you to forsake. Maybe I have heard that people might get sick and they had expected God to heal them and He chose not to. And then that, they can't endure that hardness. They cannot endure uh, that, that sickness, that affliction, and so they forsake. I think a lot of times it's persecution. It's persecution. And oh, by the way, 
It might not always be something that you would think. We always think of, well, persecution. When persecution arises, people just forsake. It could be something as simple as a government mandate that tell you not to come to church. 30% of the church has forsaken the church in the last year, never to return. Say, why? They're afraid. Fear. Say, fear of what? Fear of getting an infection that has a 98% recovery rate and dying. Many people have died. We're faced with death every day. I guarantee if someone runs the stats, you're more likely to die in a car crash than you would be of COVID. It's still to be taken seriously. I've had it. I have never been so sick in my whole life than when I had COVID. And they told me I had a mild case and that I was trying to turn it into the, what is a man flu? So I was turning into man flu. <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> uh, I told the nurse the other day, I was getting my checkup done. And of course, they want to draw a little blood so they can confirm that I'm still fat, stupid, don't have any friends. <laughs> and my cholesterol, you know, uh, is right in there. And so I told her, I said, now, when you put that bandage on my arm, I said, make sure you wrap it good because I will milk this all day and get pity from my wife because I got a boo-boo. Oh, she got the biggest kick out of that. <laughs> So I take every opportunity to do something like that so I can get that pity uh, that I crave. No. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Demas, this is what you forsake. Demas, this is what he forsook. But what did Demas love? See, you are affected in this life by what you fear or what you love. And Paul is clear to tell us that Demas loved this present world, that means the world that now is. What he could see, what he could feel, what he could taste, what he could hear. A world, I believe, that was controlled by his own lust, if you was to back up to verse 3. He said these people would not endure sound doctrine and they'd begin to fall away because they would be given to their own lusts. And that was plural. That has an S on the end of it. Lust. Now, I don't know about your mind, but in my mind, it triggered. It triggered that verse over there in 1 John chapter 2, about verse 15, where he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all they that are loved the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And he talks about the lust of the eye. He said, Don't be in love with the lust of the eye. That is... Something that you want, you can get. It has to deal with covetousness, the lust of the eye. Then he says, love and be, be on guard against the lust of the flesh. That's the things that you want to do. I believe that Demas, there was something that he wanted to do more than ministry. What are you in love with today? You've heard me say this in the past. If you want to know what the God is in your life, take a pen and a pad of paper and write down your day. Write it out. How much time do you spend drinking coffee? How much time do you spend on your smartphone? How much time do you spend watching TV? How much time do you spend at work? 
How much time do you spend in your leisure time? And how much time do you spend reading your Bible and praying? Whatever you're putting the majority of your time to, that is your idol. That is what you love. You say, wow, I know, it's sobering, isn't it? A lot of people, let me get on this a little bit, in marriages, they say they love each other, but they never invest time into each other. Write down on that pad of paper, if you're spending more time on your smartphone or your game system than you are talking and communicating with your wife, without your smartphone on and your game on. Do I need to finish that? <laughs> yeah. That means that's of more value than your actual real relationship with your spouse. Oh, that's a problem, isn't it? I believe right there we could solve 90% of all marriage problems. You have to invest time into each other. Jenny and I make it a point that our Mondays is our day off and that we invest time into each other. We spend the day together. We do what she wants to do or we do what I want to do. Sometimes we get out on the boat. Sometimes we go for a trip. We both love to see the countryside. But we invest, no matter how busy we get, we invest time into each other. You say, well, I really don't know what I spend the most of my... I know I'm on a snag because it got quiet. <laughs> you see, Demas loved something more. The Bible's clear to say he loved the world that now is. It had something to do with either the lust of the eyes... The things that he could get. He was heading to Thessalonica. It could have been the things that he could do. Thessalonica would have been a very modern city for its time with a lot of things there. And there's one more. The pride of life. You see, that's something that you want to be. I think a lot of people spend a lot of time pursuing something that they want to be. I believe parents get their children on the wrong track. It's not in the message, so if you're looking for it in a PowerPoint, you're not going to find it. So the Holy Spirit brought it across my, my gun, my sights, and I must say it. Because we vision our children, we think they're the next NFL star football star, basketball star, golf star, dance star. And so we allow and push them into the pride of life, what they can be. And we make it have priority over church and the things of God and ministry. What I'm saying, I'm bringing it down home to us. What is going on in the present in your life right now that you love more than God? Are you a Demas? Will you become a Demas? Now my last point. And I believe it to be important. Demas lost some things. See, we're living in this world where 
We think there shouldn't ever be consequences for actions. That's against the law of science. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You rob a bank, you're going to pay the price. I mean, <laughs> you jump off a, a building, it's not the fall that hurts you or kills you. It's a sudden stop. It's that gravity. However fast you were going down when you hit the ground, it bounces back and the human body can't handle all that stress. Well, we're living in this world now where people think they should be able to do what they want and there is no consequences. And I'm telling you, if you are even thinking now about becoming a Demas because you don't think it's important, church is not important, the ministry is not important, it's just the preacher getting up there to preach to try to, uh, to get us excited about nothing so we put more money in the plate so he can say he's supporting more missionaries. You're going to lose something if you decide in 2022 to be a Demas. Say, what did he lose? According to verse 16, Paul said that when he had to take a stand here where he was at, no man stood with him. That would have included Demas. So Demas lost the opportunity to be a companion to Paul in his hour of need. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of seeing you just here. You do not know who's watching you. You do not know who's on their last straw and says, I'm going to go to church today, but if so-and-so's not there, I'm done. Because if it's not worth it to them, it ain't worth it to me. You're essential. You're necessary. And when you choose to forsake the house of God, the work of God, the man of God, you lose an opportunity to be a companion. Some of y'all that are great at discerning kind of knows that when the crowd comes in and we have visitors or new faces that my piano playing gets a little louder or a little, little more upbeat. And you say, what it is? That's, that's your presence encouraging me just by simply being here. You are important, every one of you. But if you choose to forsake this year, you're going to lose an opportunity to be a companion. You're going to lose an opportunity to serve others, according to verse 13. Wouldn't it have been nice that if Paul could have sent Demas out to go get his cloak, to get his parchments, to get his book? But he couldn't. And Demas lost an opportunity to serve others. But Demas lost the opportunity to take a stand for Christ. Paul needed him over there in verse 16 to take a stand with him. And he chose not to stand. And he lost an opportunity to take a stand for the Lord. But more importantly, verse 8. He lost a reward in heaven. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I could have put that down on what he was forsaking. Demas 
was not watching and waiting patiently and looking for the coming of Christ. Therefore, he will not have earned this reward, this crown of righteousness throughout all eternity. You see, there are rewards that we can earn for the Lord. What we do down here for God matters. It has an eternal impact on us. That silly stuff that we do that we think is more important than God and the ministry, that's the wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to burn. And it's not going to give you any benefit in eternity. Again, I'm going to say this again, and of course the message is about over. We're going to the conclusion. When people are on their deathbeds and I'm able to talk with them and they're a saint of God, I get two regrets in life. I, I want you to pay attention. Number one, they regret not spending more time with family. Namely, their spouse. Number two, not spending more time in church. I've never gotten other regrets. I've never had an individual tell me, I re just regret not working all that overtime. Wow. I've never heard that. I've never heard somebody say, man, I just wished I'd have spent more time fishing. Spent more time hunting. Nope. That's not it. It's only those two. I wish I'd have spent more time with family. And I wished I'd have spent more time at church. I've had people that have died in this church that I've been at their deathbed said, Pastor, I wished I'd have been there to stand with you more, to support you more, and I regret that. Will you forgive me? Sure. But that's what happens when you choose to forsake the work of God, the house of God, the man of God. See, what we do for God is what matters. And I said all that to say this too because it's on my heart. You don't know how soon your life's going to be over. I want you to begin to focus on resolving your conflicts between each other sooner, quicker. Strive not to part on bad terms because you might not be guaranteed or you're not guaranteed to get that thing right before one of you pass off into eternity. Learn to love each other better, more. And I will tell you, you say, well, that don't have anything to do with the message. It has everything to do with the message. Because if you can't love God right, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and you're, not, and you're going to forsake God, you will not love your spouse right. If your relationship with God is not right, it will not be right with your spouse. And there's a whole lot you can lose. So are you a Demas in love with the world that now is? I believe there's people that should be here this morning that are not here because they're in love with the world that now is. 
And they're making a choice, meaning they're forsaking the sound doctrine, meaning they're forsaking the, mis the ministry. They're uh, forsaking the edification that they could be to somebody else. And they're forsaking the opportunities to serve because they're selfish. And it's going to cost them. And I pray that we don't fall into that trap and be a Demas because we're in love with the world that now is instead of being in love with the world that is to come. I want us to be more like Paul, in love with the world that is to come, which goes along with the message I preached. We need to be engaged, a gospel-engaged church. We do not know how much time we have left. There's not anything that really has to be uh, done or to come to pass in prophecy before the Lord comes back. There are still lost people out there. There are still people that need comfort, that need someone to pray with them, need somebody to sit with them, need somebody to visit with them, that just needs to see a smiling face. I pray that it be you. I pray that you or I do not become a Demas in 2022. Let's all stand this morning. Are you a Demas or are you a Paul?